Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I'm sitting here in London with my old friend, Reverend Marielsa Bragg, who is a an author and a priest and um, is working on two very deep uh, writing projects right now that I've been hearing a little bit about. But we're just going to reflect today on this penultimate week of counting the Omer, which is connected to Yesod. The word Yesod means foundation. It's connected from the for the Kabbalists, it's connected to Yosef Hatzadik to to Joseph, and it's really about connectivity, connection, relationship, uh, sexuality, and so we were just chatting about some of the impact of the Me Too movement on both women and men, and uh, especially or certainly particularly in in religious life but also just about how our faith traditions give us hope or discouragement about uh, sexuality, healthy, unhealthy sexuality, and relationships in general in this week of Yesod as we get to this penultimate week of receiving the Torah. So, hi Mariasa. Hello. Good to <laughs> good, be back with you. Good to see you again. How do you, what's your first reaction to that? question, I mean, either about Yesod, because I know um, you've studied very deeply the Kabbalah, so you understand something about the quality of Yesod, or, or just about relationships and sexuality in this confusing world. Well, I think the um, positioning of Yesod is really, is really interesting because it it might be the place of sexuality, although sexuality, I think, happens all along the central column and very much in our bodies, in Malkut, in Tiferet, and when it's disconnected from Tiferet and our souls and our spirits, that's when we get in trouble. And I think the, the, the beauty of Yisod, lots of people um, sort of put that position down a bit because they think that the ego is something that we um, should be getting away from, and if it's disconnected to Deferred or our sense of self, it certainly is. But when connected, the sense of boundaries and being able to really hold your space with someone, I think is, is, is completely necessary for any kind of relationship encounter with yourself or with anyone else. Um, and I think, I mean, Joseph was somebody who, when we see in his story, we see him learning a lot about that, learning how to really be himself, but in completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. And even having to stand as a, with a mask as being someone else in order to heal with his brothers and ask for them to bring family to him. Um, and so there's a sense of, um, as long as we're guided well, then, then we, it can be relationship giving. But when we disconnect or shut down, um, then we're in trouble, and I think that the 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 uh, what you were talking about what's happening at the moment with the Me Too, which is really good, people speaking up. The other side of it is that a lot of people um, that I work with are saying a lot of men. I mean, it does seem to be mainly women who are speaking up, although I know a lot of men have been 
affected by that, by that era of a culture which has been quite shut down sexually and so allowed a, a, a quite out of boundary uh, breaking uh, without seeing it as being a problem. Um, and, and with that comes people having to shut their sexuality down um, and people feeling very, very wounded and broken by unhealthy sexuality and for men and women on both sides. So I think it's a, it, it, it's a, a helpful reopening of a, a long old wound that's part of our history of trying to work out what it's like to be partners. Um, and so you're saying that it come, it's coming back again. We can talk about it. Yeah, again. yeah. But you're saying that the the capacity for a human being, man or woman, to abuse another sexually comes from being shut down in some way, I and think so. and and that the effect that being the recipient of that kind of abuse might also be to shut down. So it's this sort of cycle mm. of unhealthy relationship to sexuality, either through messages that we receive sometimes frankly from our faith traditions mm. messages or by from society in general mm. and that shut downness that way of being shut down just mm. kind of creates a cycle i think it does i mean it's not i'm not in any way saying that to detract from um things being wrong of course um and um and as a society society us generating understanding and laws and community awareness for people to behave well but um, I do think that um, if you've either it seems to me and I've got a friend who is actually uh, working a lot with government to try and develop a big project for a different aspect which is the um, big um, issue of paedophilia that's come in the news a lot in the last five years and she talks a lot about people yes who've been abused themselves throughout childhood and they're repeating this cycle that's like a that's that's haunting them and that's in them and that awakens their sexuality too early that um, awakens their emotional understanding of how to relate in a sensual way even not a sensual, sexual way but a sensual way and gets confused with that there is that but there are also there's also the impact of, as you say, our culture, our society, or traditions, having them shut down, feel like it's so wrong, um, keeping them childlike, um, thinking the innocent sexuality is, is the best and the purest rather than real, mature relating that takes um, you know, years of getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. I remember a really good um, catchphrase Another friend of mine who's a therapist said that when you have a relationship, you have, you go from the ideal, from the ideal through the ordeal to the real deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's the real deal, sexuality, that we don't seem to have a big cultural reference for. Um, So is it the ordeal where we get stuck? I think we get, we get frightened of the ordeal and we don't know how to navigate it. Well so if the all. ideal doesn't match up to the ordeal, we, we, we run or we do... Or we shut down. Or we shut down, yeah. Mm. Wow. I was just thinking, you know, this week in the, in, the, in the Torah, we actually end the book of Leviticus by Yikra with this double Parsha, Bahar and Bechukotai, which... Um, and the whole book of Leviticus has been... I mean, a lot of it's been... There's a lot of blood in the book of Leviticus, a lot of the sacrificial system, but it's also 
really the, the, all of this um, idea of purity and impurity, much of which is related to sexuality. Mm. And I think that my idea about it in the ancient world, that there really was this sort of healthy spiritual balance between you know, sexuality and sensuality and health and wellness and unwellness and all of that. Um, and yet that kind of system that really talks about pure and impure and clean and unclean, mm. uh, tahor tame, is, you know, potentially part of the, part of the, the issue that um, can lead to, you know, possible misreadings of text you know, this sort of like separation that happens, the kind of, you know, the way in which uh, all sexuality and all bodily function becomes put into a category of unclean and dirty and bad, mm. you know, that mm. both our traditions, I think, have the capacity to, to do that. Mm. Shaming. Shaming, yeah. Mm. And yet that's clearly not what the intention behind it. I mean, we, we have so many... Example, you know, we were reflecting before how, like, if the this counting of the Omer that we're, mm. you know, in the, in this um, this sixth week of counting the Omer, and that journey is a journey from from Pesach to Shavuot, and we were talking about how Pesach is connected to Shir Hashirin, the Song of Songs, which is this exquisitely beautiful love poem, mm. and then um, Shavuot, we we read the Book of Ruth, which is you know a, a, a very different kind of story and narrative, mm. but there's there's a lot about um, sexuality and, and relationship and connection, mm -hmm. a lot of, of gendered stuff for sure, but how, how do you connect any of, uh, of those texts to this conversation? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, take Ruth, for example. I mean, I, I personally have looked for female mentors in, in, in the Bible, you know, and, and, and Ruth was one of them. I was looking, I have looked a lot at how... Um, you know how Naomi sends her out. How she well, how she turned around and says, "My, pe your people are my people," and how Naomi sends her out. And you know, there she is at the at the foot of Boaz and um, gleaning. But then she goes and massages his feet and and does that ritual. And and on the one hand, I can say to myself, "Well, look, she's she's grafted in. She's." The, all she has left is to be a kind of a sensual slave. That's the they have no money. That's the only thing she has to offer, and so she gives her kind of feminine, sensual, sexual kindness in the hope that he will take her as as a wife. And there's something very tragic about that. Um, and and what 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 place does a woman have? She's dependent on these men. But then you know, like many women, I we need stories and we need um, our mentors and there's, there's really interesting ways of reclaiming for instance even the story of Ruth she made a real choice your people are my people that's a that's a massive calling potentially on her part because she becomes you know the, the female line of David so what what is that calling why is she making that step she she converts she converts because this is her her sole place. She's deeply connected and that's more important to her than anything. And maybe, maybe you could say that Naomi wisely sending her out is about Naomi seeing Boaz with his patriarchal wandering around the fields, a good man, but has learnt how to be this, this kind of slightly sort of shut down masculine form of leadership. 
and who really needs a balancing out. And there's a there's a balancing out of a more feminine, more sensual way of of relating that that she brings, and that it's a sort of conversation of equals and a really good example of a sensual, symbolic, ritualistic conversation alongside um, the kind of legalistic uh, um, kind of ruling conversation and the two of them slowly have to work out how to how to join and they join by suddenly becoming vulnerable um, there's, there is something potentially balancing about that mm-hmm. and I think there is something we were talking about this before about ritual I think it is interesting how um, these festivals we go into that even even just doing a ritual has a has a feminine sensuality to it, and of course the sort of modern dialogue has this uh, the the one of the gifts of the modern dialogue in a new way talks about men and women both having the masculine and feminine in us. Sure. And the the the, the ritualistic side of what we do is very sensual which is very different to being sexual, but it allows us to be really embodied. It's so interesting to hear you say that ritual... I mean, I agree, rituals are essential and essentially feminine, and yet um, in the traditional forms of our traditions, they are they are performed primarily by men. Um, so they could be rituals that have evolved through some kind of feminine quality that are then performed by men and that in, in, in some cases women are even excluded completely from the ritual so mm-hmm. that's an interesting potential imbalance and I think we're, we're, we're still definitely kind of working that out as much as we're working out the the way that sexuality plays out and these awful things that we've witnessed and the voices that are coming forward there's also a sort of a way in which our perhaps our ritual life needs to be rebalanced and seen mm-hmm. in a more you know, not necessarily egalitarian. I mean, yes, egalitarian might not be the right word. There's just a way in which uh, the, the the male and female energy, whether actually men and women, or whether qualities that are that are in each of us, as you said, that they need it. It also needs a balancing in our mm-hmm. in our life of prayer and practice. It's really interesting, though, isn't it? How do you how do you open how do you open everything up and still keep the sense of a strong traditional heritage to pass on. You know, I remember when I was studying at Leo Beck, when you were trained to be a rabbi, and I remember making a group of women making tallets. Right. And we, we, we made tallets, we sewed, we got beautiful material, yeah. we sewed on the sits, we did all of that. And there was something empowering about doing that. Yes, that was great. But it was also being able to use them, being able to pray with them, being able to actually have something tactile to be able to pull over us. It became, it still is, I have my talent and it's a big part of my prayer life. Um, and it's, it, it is it, it incredibly evocative when I pull it over my head and suddenly I'm, I'm turned inwards because of the darkness that comes over me and the prayer beads or prayer mm-hmm. knots that come down. So that we're, to, to lend these things and share them with each other is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. But how do you still keep the strong sense of having ancestral footprints in it right. and all the beautiful you know, liturgy and poetry and heritage with it because then there's a danger of making everything so open and beautifully artistic 
that you can make any ritual for anything anywhere and you're no longer then walking in the steps of you know three or four generations mm. uh, or, or more many generations what do you well I think that I think the Tully is such a powerful example because um, the idea that when we when we put a tali over our head or over our, our bodies there's this idea that it's really connected to the Shekhinah mm-hmm. which is seen as the sort of the, the indwelling presence of God which is very much connected with a feminine a feminine presence of God and yet in traditional Jewish life women are not allowed to wear a tali they're worn by men and so on the one hand you could say well maybe it's because you know patriarchal men need to have that feminine quality of God but mm. there's just something I think that's potentially about imbalance there too or, or not I, I don't know I mean it's like I don't I, I, I have a lot of respect and, uh, and um, sensitivity to traditional cultures I don't I don't like want to dismiss them as being like inherently wrong and I think that's what you're saying too there's a way in which tradition has such importance to us and in a sense Yasod is this quality of Yasod is about it is about the progenitor of tradition in a way it's like yes. about thrusting tradition out into the into the world in, in healthy and balanced and connected ways and authentic mm-hmm. ways I think and I think that um, I think with Yasod is a lot about the, 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 the ritualistic form that holds us uh-huh. and I do think I mean there's nothing like living a life of really beautiful traditional ritual that you that that a family have decided they will do in common on their own and together. So you know how you're orbiting each other and you have the conversations, you have this to hold your conversation, to hold your relating, to hold your yes. arguments, your days, yeah. your weeks, your whatever's going on. It's a beautiful way of holding things. Of course, the, ba- the downside to it is it can get dogmatic and strict and like a, a, a prison and isolating right and isolating yeah people can be cut off from the rest of the world sometimes in ways that are not necessarily yeah. healthy I mean I can understand yeah. again the impulse to want to be in this in this in a world that's very hard and challenging to be in this separate spiritual world but yeah I think I think that you know there's this there's again it's all it seems to be like our whole conversation is really about balance and healthy and in mm. and unhealthy balances and I think that that the balance between really, really deeply caring about the traditional forms and having having the creativity, which mm-hmm. is you know much more feminine quality, and as you say, that that creativity that can bring a more a fresh way of looking at the rituals rather than this dogmatic way of looking at the old rituals and mm-hmm. bringing that balance together is it seems to be very I mean again not to minimise the the deep pain that people have been through through sexual abuse, but it does seem to be very connected the sort of the spiritual balance and the sexual balance and the emotional mm. balance and the sensual balance they're mm. all like part of each other just in the way in the way that um, masculine and feminine when mm. they're when they're perfectly connected and in union can just bring such incredible healing and redemption to the world and when they're not it's it's chaos and catastrophe I think that's a big thing I mean we are we are inherently designed to be in relationship and how frightened we are of that and yet how it's central to you know our well-being you know and we talk about, about about men having parts of rituals for their lives that are about their inner feminine and women of course having rituals that are part about their their masculine or their inner masculine but um, the other the other question is how frightened we are of each other and how 
um, confronting it can be to stand in front of a partner, man or woman, um, where you're standing in front of the other and you, 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 you know, the trick is to not merge or, or be too distant, but to really relate. And it is the most beautiful, yet the most vulnerable, yet the most confronting. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of the central craft that we're all dancing around all the time, we're all running away from all the time. And, and that is the essence, really, of this alchemy of sexuality. You know, on, on, on a deeper level, it's really about the sacred space of, of relationship. Yeah. Is there a, a way that you would like, if I kind of invite you to for a sort of closing blessing, or like a blessing for anyone listening to... I mean, how we can have the, the courage to, to bring more healthy balance in these areas? Well, I think there's a strong, I mean, today is the day of Yesod, there's a strong sense of being able to bless our boundaries uh-huh. and that our boundaries can be so connected to our tiferet or our sense of self that they will be fluid enough to let the shekinah and the grace and the love in and keep that which doesn't draw us to the light out and help us um, be who we need to be in all the different situations like Joseph but be governed to a kind of a greater good within ourselves, within our own souls, and develop together a, a, a culture and a community that grows more into being soulful rather than greedy or in pain or shut down. Shut down. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening to A Dash of Drush, we will see you next time.